You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In today's episode of Talking Taiwan, my guest is Jason Chu. Jason is a filmmaker, and um, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Hey, Felicia. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, yeah, so let's start in the beginning. You were introduced to me by Treya, who we've had on the podcast before, and you've done a number of her music videos. And um, I'm just curious, how did the two of you meet? Um, so we met through... Eric Liu, I don't know if you know him, but he is an Asian-American um, filmmaker based out of Philly. Oh. And it's a funny thing because we met in Taiwan when I was making my thesis film in Taiwan. You and, and Eric met in Taiwan. Yeah, me and oh. Eric met in Taiwan. And so he was doing some um, like filmmaker thing where he was, I guess talking about how to become a filmmaker and like you know all the all these things that he went through to become a, a quote-unquote successful filmmaker nice um so i was at that event and we hit it off and when i came back to new york um eric was like hey i found this taiwanese american um musician and artist online just through searching taiwanese artists <laughs> and he's like hey uh, i reached out to her and she wants to make a music video do you want to go out and meet her and see see what's up and see if we can make a music video together? Oh. And so the first time I met Treya was at a bar where she was playing at. Uh-huh. And me and Eric were kind of just like, <laughs> we were just kind of like sidled up at the bar, just like <laughs> hanging out, waiting to talk to her after her like little um, performance. So it was like, it, it was a very like fun thing. It was awkward, super awkward at first, but... We, we, you know, we hit it off. Oh, wow. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now I'm going to have to check out Eric and maybe I'll have to interview him. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. We've been through a lot together, oh, Eric, nice. me and Eric. Oh, nice. So what was your upbringing like? I see that on your website you mentioned that you grew up with a traditional Taiwanese upbringing. So I'm just curious, what does a traditional Taiwanese upbringing mean to you? Yeah. So to me, a traditional Taiwanese upbringing um, for, you know, coming from immigrant um, parents is, you know, it, it's a lot about education. It's a lot about schooling, right? It's like, yeah, you go to school, you do well. Um, we, we basically set this path for you to life. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you go to Kumon. <laughs> uh, get into like a good, you know, for me, it was like magnet school, getting into Stuyvesant High School. Uh-huh. And it was like going to Stuyvesant and then like, okay, what's next? What's co- like college is next? And then on and on and on yeah. until you like land in that, you know, professional like doctor, lawyer mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. where you're going to be set for the rest of your life. Because that was their main concern that yeah. you can provide for yourself for the rest of your life. I hear you. So when and how did you know that you wanted to be a filmmaker and how did your parents react to that? Um, so I, di- I didn't necessarily know right from the get go, but what, what happened was I had a choice of going to law school. So ah. that was the path for me. Mm. Right? So it was like, took the LSATs, like ready to like just full on go to law school. Um, you know, was doing paralegal work for uh, about, wow. about a year of my life. Yeah, so I was like, I was in there. I was ready to take the next step, and and then I and I just realized like, 
you know, I think the main thing that happened was that my parents were like, oh, so you're going to take care of this uh, law school thing by yourself, meaning like you're going to just pay for that by yourself. Oh, wow. And that, yeah, that was like a real big epiphany to me. It was like, oh, so wait, now it's become my choice. Like my whole life, there weren't really any choices to be made. It was like, get into the best school you possibly can Uh and then go forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so when it came to the point to make that choice i'm like wow okay i'm gonna spend all this time i'm gonna memorize all these books i don't want to memorize and then i'm gonna get into this world that i'm not really crazy about and this is all on me now now this is my choice and i understand that came from that that's like from a very privileged thinking way of thinking mm-hmm. like hey you're getting this thing on on a silver platter like why don't you just go for it but at that moment i was like okay let's hold off and let's kind of reevaluate what's going on here. And so I took a year to just um, kind of go on Mandy and Craigslist and do Mm. all these like free filmmaking gigs Mm. just to figure out like what what the next step was. And I had a group of friends that we also made a lot of, you know, little short films, you know, with the, back then it was a DVX. I don't know if you remember that camera, Mm -hmm. DVX. one hundred. Mm. It's like a little Panasonic camera. Wow. Yeah. We just made little movies. So from there, um I made a short film and it got into it so we did it for I don't know if you know this, the Asian American Film Lab. Yes. It's that seventy two hour short film festival. Yes, I'm familiar with them. And so we did that. And we just made like this weird little short film, and that short film won. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! So, yeah, and and you know we weren't expecting it. We just like we're doing yeah whatever we want. Yeah, you know, there was no there was no oversight. Right? <laughs> um, so we're just you know enjoying our filmmaking, and then that happened. And to me, yeah, having coming from a whole life of needing that. Um, uh, I don't know what's the word, needing the um, validation, right? Mm. Like having that validation uh, helped me be bold in being like, hey, why don't I take the next step and like apply for film school? Wow. And so that's what I did uh, with that short film mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that we won with Asian American Film Lab. Oh, okay. So like I'm assuming when you apply for film school, you have to submit some work or whatever. So that was something that you submitted with your application. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So basically, it was a I think it was a short film and some some writing materials that you need to submit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah, I so I applied for both NYU. Actually, I just applied for NYU. Oh, and and they they sent me over to um Singapore so they were like hey we have this new school opening up in Singapore um we don't have any spots left for the New York uh but you know do you want to go to this new school we had wow. in Singapore like I had no idea yeah I had no idea what Singapore was at that time yeah had you been to like, Asia yet <laughs> at that point I had okay yeah I had been to Taiwan as, okay. a, as a kid and later on um like you know grandparents passing like those kind of yeah. things like I would I would go to back to Taiwan. Uh-huh. Never really spent time in Asia like that. Mm-hmm. So, what was that like? What was Singapore like? And being um, there for you know studying there. 
Yeah. Uh, well, coming, you know, going to Singapore, you, you read up about it, and it's all about, like, people getting caned and not being able <laughs> to put bubble gum, you mm. know, so there was a little bit of a like oh we're going to this place to make art like it seemed really like an yeah. odd place to do that uh-huh. um but the reason why nyu opened up a school there was because they felt like they needed a hub in mm-hmm. asia because mm-hmm. it was like blowing up at that time and so singapore was like a good halfway point it wasn't china and a lot of singaporeans spoke english it was it's like pretty much the one of the national languages like mm-hmm. besides Chinese and so it was like a good um, kind of point of entry into Asia for <laughs> for NYU um, but yeah it was like it was a great time it was a very privileged experience mm-hmm. um, it was really hot there really humid but you know it was a school of about a uh, hundred kids uh-huh per year and we had this whole uh three-story building to ourselves so it was just a grad school there Uh Um, so it was a very unique experience um it was just us kind of there uh spending singaporean dollars which was you know compared to u.s dollars uh, singapore was lower back then Uh and yeah we just had a everyone had their own place it was like a good time and just making films and watching films i mean it was really kind of a conservatory of sorts you know for filmmaking right what was the demographics of your class like um well they did try to get um people from all over mm-hmm. and people all over europe mm. there were people from african countries chinese country like china mm-hmm. um so it was pretty varied. I think it was about 50% um, from all over the world and mm-hmm. maybe 50% American. Mm. But even with the Americans, there were people from you know different backgrounds. Yeah. What an experience. Sounds like quite a camaraderie. Did you keep in touch with a lot of people that were in the program with you? Um, I do keep in touch with some. Like Some are based out of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so we keep in touch there, but um, a lot of people have moved to LA. Yeah, uh, some are still back in Asia, and yeah, it's 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 interesting because then you do have that kind of um, connection, mm-hmm. and I think that's another reason why you go to a, a school like NYU um, is to get those connections, those mm-hmm. like friends mm-hmm. for life kind. Of. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what would you? How would you describe your career path? How's it, what has it been like so far? Um, so far, it's been a lot of like hustling, trying to get you know filmmaking work, um, right? Either through um, you know uh, productions uh, where it's like branded content. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff that I'm working on. Um, I could just go through some things that I've I've helped create. Um, there was a time when I first came back where I joined this company called Apartment Therapy. I don't know if you've heard of them. 
I did actually uh, see one of the videos because I went through your website and looked at some of the clips on there. So I did see um, one of the videos you did for them. But yeah, explain for yeah. my listeners what that is. So mainly they're like, um, like food and also home-related videos. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of um, like stop-motion stuff and a lot of uh, you know recipe stuff. And so that was like really kind of my entry coming back from um, Singapore, which was not exactly like, I guess they don't tell you that in film school <laughs> is that uh -huh. you come out of film school and it's like, oh, you're gonna have, you're gonna be like a director now, right? Yeah. But a lot of times people just come back and they hopefully have learned um, like a trade mm -hmm. in school. And with that trade, you know, it could be editing, it could be shooting. Um, some people do well with directing, but it's it's definitely uh, the minority of people that can continue on to direct um, after school. It's just like a very difficult thing. Yeah, that, um, that actually brings up a question because, um, yeah, that is a good question. Like, people are very good at these skills that you've mentioned, um, but being a director is something different. What do you think it is that um, make, takes... What does it take for somebody to be a good director versus like the person that's editing or just being a videographer or a camera person? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that comes down to uh, how, how you manage in film school, actually. I think that's a very important thing. Uh, basically, when you're making your films in film school, at least, you know, from my um, the way I went. Uh, people that made short films that were very, that were, you know, very personal or they had their own vision to them, uh, the ones that got noticed at festivals, those were the people that were kind of able to continue on um, making films. Mm -hmm. You know, you do definitely have to have like a really strong voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something you just, it, yeah, like some people are talented in that way. Mm -hmm. But it is something you can also develop. And I, I think that does take some time. Right. For, you know, for me, not coming from an artistic background at all, uh, it was definitely like a whole different thing to think about. Yeah. And I'm still learning to mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. till this day. Mm -hmm. Is that something you aspire to? Or would you rather um, just work on film projects with other people? Or do you, would you prefer to be the director? Um, I think at this point, I, I do a little bit of both. Like, I think what's been a priority for me is also writing um, lately. Mm -hmm. And that it, the reason for that is because, like, uh, if you do have something you want to say, no one's going to help you do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you kind of you just have to make your own way. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime... I, I feel like I do. I've cultivated this skill of being a cinematographer, mm -hmm. and you know, hopefully, I make connections where I can, you know, use that skill and help people uh, find their vision, and hopefully, learn something along the way too about how to how to, you know, um, realize my visions. Mm -hmm. And when you say you're working on your writing, do you mean like the practice of script writing to put your ideas down in words? 
Um, yeah, script writing. Um, now, for me, it's a lot about just just putting words to paper, and 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 um, it doesn't necessarily have to be any kind of format. Mm-hmm. I think just like every day being trying to be creative even mm-hmm. a little bit is mm-hmm. it seems like daunting sometimes you know yeah um but even if you're just you know writing um like a, a few paragraphs or right. a page or a few pages mm-hmm. i feel like that even helps because um, most of the time you know people just get caught up in in you know too many like too much you know it's like yeah. asking a lot a lot mm-hmm. of times mm-hmm. And it's just about getting started, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of curious as someone, I'm not in film, you know, you hear all these terms like cinematographer. Like, So what is a cinematographer? Um, to me, uh, a cinematographer as opposed to like a cameraman. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's a difference. Uh, to, to me, it's really about uh, developing a visual style. Mm. And so, I mean, you know, lately during the the coronavirus, you know, everyone's inside or at home. Like, yeah. I've been really trying to, trying to there, there's been a lot of, um, like, Zooms or yeah. like YouTube lives. Yeah. Or, and, you know, a lot of DPs or cinematographers are at home, too. Uh-huh. And they're to go on and talk to people or other cinematographers about you know their craft or what they've been doing so to to me it's like creating um a visual style so really figuring out you know looking at either past movies or photos or 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 paintings and just figuring out you know because it's a visual medium yeah right like what what you're going for and and you know how that helps tell the story, you know, how that's linked to the story. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just, it's really just about spending time, you know, with the director and just figuring out how to tell this story in a unique way, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and as I mentioned, I did take a look at some of your work and we'll put your website in the show notes um, in case people are curious to check it out if they want a reference point of what I'm talking to you about because I'm really curious about some of the pieces that you had on your website and one of them is called uh, the Roaming Dogs short film Um, and just to tell people um, who are listening and who haven't seen it um, it it was shot in Taipei and uh, there's a bunch of like stray dogs and Taiwan used to have this problem um, more so like in the 80s I remember when these stray dogs were rampant and they were actually in my view I was a kid so maybe I have a little bit of a different view but I -hmm. thought they were just um uh what's the word for it they they were just really menacing like they were like diseased (laughs) you didn't know you know if they're ferocious and um just kind of threatening but but this film actually was really the opposite it was um, it was actually quite lovely. You see these dogs by the riverside and so on. So, and this was shot in what, like, 2012? Yeah, I think it was in 2012. Yeah, I was actually surprised that there's so many um, stray dogs still. Like, so, tell me about that piece. Um, so that, I mean, that piece was. It, it just came out of me being in Taiwan and seeing those dogs there, and and seeing kind of 
you know, it's a it's a free it's a free life for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and you know, people feed them from the uh, the you know the street stalls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're they're living a pretty good life, and <laughs> and Taiwan is relatively good temperature wise that they could I guess be yeah. living outside all the time. Yeah. Um, and I and I thought there was something magical about that. I thought there was like. It's like, whoa! Wait, is is our life good or their life good? You know, <laughs> from from that question, I just kind of, you know, I had my camera back then, and I just kind of went out and and shot these dogs. Yeah, you just, you're certainly presented a, a diff- put them in a different light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because no, I mean, I, I I would see them. Some of these dogs know how to cross streets. Like, yeah, they wow. For the light. You know, they know how to wait for the green light to go. Wow. I, I don't know how that works still, but wow. it's just wow. very interesting of their life. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe they've evolved since the 80s. <laughs> and the yeah. 80, like, I don't know if you went to Taiwan in the 80s, but some of those dogs were, you know, pretty questionable, <laughs> you know. Well, there, it, wasn't there a time where there were, like, really rabid dogs going yes. around? Yes, well, they because unfortunately it's a, you know, bad time in Taiwan's history, but people would just uh, abandon their dogs very easily. Um, and that's what that's what happened, is that mm. these dogs would be abandoned and they were pretty rough because they were street dogs and maybe they were rabid and, yeah, had issues. So there, There's a there's another story in there somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. in the indie film about, like, a, a, do- a lost dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also want to talk to you about the music video you did for Treya's song, Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, just to, like, explain a little bit to the listeners, um, it's a storyline. There's a mother and a daughter, and... Um, there's various scenes of them together, and, and as I watched it, I was I started to wonder as I watched the story and it grew towards the end. I actually started wondering if the mother who was the the woman who was the mother figure in the video was actually the little girl, and if the scenes that we saw in the beginning of the video of the mother daughter was actually her flashbacks of her childhood of her as a little girl. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Am I reading this correctly, or you, you definitely just incepted yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, that was that was actually Eric was Eric Liu was the director of that of that uh, music video, uh-huh. and he had scripted this story out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I it, that that's. I don't think that was the intended. I think it was just a mom and her and her okay. daughter. Uh, but you know, I you know I hate to say that because I, you know, I want people to just it, it be their, people's like interpretations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we went out to that was on I believe Shelter Island, right? And this was actually a place that um, you know Treya had worked before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a maitre d mm. um in a restaurant mm-hmm. and it just it was just like a near and dear place to her in her heart and you know it was actually pretty far from philly for me for me living in brooklyn it's a little bit closer but yeah you know we we trekked out there i think there was another option to shoot that um in new jersey i think uh-huh. um near the shore in new jersey uh but you know 
I think it was me and Trey or something. We fought for it to be out there in Chelsea. <laughs> me as a cinematographer, because I'm like, oh, this place is beautiful. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered yeah. any questions. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, it's always, it's always interesting to hear how people interpret art, like whether it's like visual medium or uh, something written or whatever. Yeah, it's always open to interpretation. Um, and I also noticed like I did a really deep dive into like your work like um, to find this one I saw that you did a video about something called DAS the domain awareness system for the NYPD like so can you tell Mm -hmm. me what is that and like who invented it and in the process of doing the um, videos for them what did you learn about the NYPD yeah so DAS is basically um it's this control center, you know, mm-hmm. at, at um, I believe it's one battery place. It's in downtown Brooklyn. And that's where, I, yeah, that's where the police headquarters are. Uh-huh. And it's basically a system of monitoring. Like there's just a bunch of cameras in there. Uh-huh. And there are, uh, sorry, monitors, you know, to look at all these cameras around the city and it's basically, yeah, it's a monitoring domain awareness system. Like they can monitor um, license plates. That's one thing. Um, they have cameras that can, you know, you can tell the computer like, oh, track this guy on like in a red shirt on 59th Street and like Fifth Avenue or something like that. Oh. And they, they, it'll know that it's there. So, I mean. I think China has a very similar system, but there, theirs is integrated much more. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about, yeah, it's all about eyes. It's all uh, about seeing. So it's surveillance, uh, basically. It's like it's, the yeah, hidden cameras that they have on the street and so on. Yeah, I mean, they're not so hidden. So okay. Oh, okay. Not, I feel like they're not trying to hide it. Okay. Um, and then there's also this thing called a shot spotter, which is, it's like an audio system where it's, it's microphones that listen for oh. shots fired. Hmm. Um, so I think the bulk of what we did on the project was was on this shot spotter. I think that was the most interesting part. Uh-huh. And basically when these microphones around the city, they hear shots, um, it would send a message or an email or something directly to the police. Oh, wow. And, and they would be like, oh, there's something going on here. And they just drive over and, and see what's going on. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, me and another classmate from NYU and Eric Liu, uh-huh. uh, we were just like these three, three Asian people, uh, <laughs> and we were all in bulletproof vests. Oh, wow. Just, just like inside, you know, these police cars and driving around city, uh, looking for shots fired. Oh, wow. Know? What an experience. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh. And this experience was uh, someone I had known through NYU had uh, introduced us to um, the woman leading uh, this the the department oh, um, that heads up the domain awareness system. Wow! So, did you see anything when you were out cruising with the police? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we definitely ran into like. Usually, what happens is you get to a scene and you know people are gone already. Yeah. But you know, the the one scene we had, I mean, there was blood on the floor. Oh goodness. Shot, and I mean this. I mean, even (laughs) talking about that today is like, 
oh, I mean, there's more shootings today than 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 a long than, than like a year ago, you know. <sighs> um, wow. And so, I'm sure, that system has been getting a lot of work. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we you know we showed up to the scene and it's like I'm <laughs> like trying to film like blood. And then people oh, are ambulance, you know, that they, I mean, this is, that's the thing. I, I was lucky enough to um, get to experience like, okay, this is what we deal with like every wow. day. So that was definitely a, a good experience. Oh my goodness. And I, wow. Okay. I mean, I, you know, what happened with George Floyd recently and all that, I actually chose not to watch some of those videos because I didn't want to uh, be traumatized. But yeah, so I can't even imagine like you going out and seeing the scene of the crime and all that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a, it was the beginning of, you know, when we came back to New York. And so it's like, you know, you take jobs. And so, you know, that that's part of it. It's like, okay, what are we going to do now? Oh, yeah. this thing came up. Let's, let's go and do that. Oh, no, hey, but if you're up for it, it's very interesting. You, you, you see a lot of things and experience a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't normally, right? Yeah. yeah, good for you. So, th- so that makes me wonder. Like, do you have any thoughts regarding like the Black Lives Matter movement, and maybe more specifically, a lot of the anti-police sentiment that's going around at this time? Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I, I feel like I had this experience that kind of showed me um, their side of things a little bit. So I do kind of uh, understand what they're going through, right? But that doesn't mean I, you know, side with the people that are causing all this harm to regular people, mm-hmm. you know, you know, every day, like those quote unquote bad cops, you know, I feel like, you know, things should be done. And, and if the police force is um, behind them when they shouldn't be, I think there's still a problem, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's such a tough thing because, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of uh, backlash now with um, certain police departments, you know, police taking early retirement and are walking off and all that. So it's really difficult to know what is the right uh, balance when we're trying to call for reform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also really interesting to see that you have pieces on your website that show your work with Taiwanese companies. It seems to indicate to me that your work is really cross-cultural. How did you come by these op- opportunities? Because um, that's a little bit unique to actually um, do promotional videos for Taiwanese companies. Like you did something for some kind of like funeral home and um, a cosmetics company, things like that. Yeah. Um I forgot about the funeral home one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was. Uh, yeah, I, I I think for me, it's a lot about reaching out to the community. Like, you know, I met Eric Eric Liu there. Yeah. Um, just just on on like Facebook and stuff like that. Just uh, and I think maybe through friends actually. Um, but just like putting those feelers out there and and seeing what's 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 going on. So the cosmetics uh, thing I did again with Eric Liu, mm-hmm. and it was just a friend of his family mm-hmm. um, was the daughter of this company, oh. <laughs> you know. So it was really just about um, those introductions, like the, the like he knew someone that knew someone that needed a video, right? 
But that's know. the thing with Taiwan. It's like two degrees of separation. It's like somebody knows oh, somebody yeah. knows somebody. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. How's your then, How's your language? Like, do you speak um, Chinese or Taiwanese fluently? Like, how do you deal with those situations then? Um, I I got better. <laughs> I got better since that because I I did when I was in Taiwan. I did take some classes. Oh, okay. Um, and and now my wife her first language is Chinese. Oh. So that that kind of helped out a lot too. Yeah. 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 Oh, neat. How often do you get to visit Taiwan and what do you miss the most about it? Um right now I visit uh well now not so much because of of COVID. Yeah. Um but in recent years uh because my you know I hadn't met my wife in Singapore. Mhm. And her family's from Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And right now, my dad is actually retired in Taiwan. Oh. So that trip back is to visit all this family yeah. in Taiwan. Yeah, you know, sure. most of my family um, on my dad and mom's side is they're they're still in Taiwan. So I get to visit them, and then when my wife wants to go visit, you know, her family, yeah, we do this whole like Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan trip. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of your dad, like, um, I, how did your dad or your your parents like react when you decided not to go to law school and then you um, signed up for the film program at NYU? Was oh, there any fallout from that? Oh yeah, it was total. <laughs> it was it was madness. It was like, <laughs> what what are you doing? Why are you why are you doing this to us? You know, like, doing this to us. Wow. It was like a it was like a betrayal, and you know. I, I, I joke that my dad still asks me um, when when I'm gonna quit filmmaking and go back to law school. Oh wow! Uh, so it's it's I I mean it's it's you know it's still ongoing. Oh, is what I'm say. oh wow! Um, but you know I think it what helped was um, going to NYU and mm-hmm. having that like. Mm-hmm. name to it you know like mm-hmm. Asian parents are really big on like oh what school they go to this is the best of whatever they want you know so you gotta like so that helped a lot because now my dad can be like oh yeah like my 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 son is like a, a, a like Ang Lee's little brother or little like <laughs> or something, you know? oh really like he's he's oh. yeah he's in that family you know meanwhile oh, like so I've funny. never met Ang Lee in yeah. my life. so um yeah, I think I think going to NYU helped, but I think it's still you know it's still it's like how how come you didn't you know buy your own house already? Well, thank you for that <laughs> honesty. I, I, listen, a lot of Taiwanese Americans can relate to this, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, what are some of your favorite types of projects or subject matter to work on? Um, in in terms of just. Uh, types of, of filmmaking it would definitely be like the narrative world it's like definitely what I got into films for so things with you know where you're writing something and creating the story um, and for me I, I really enjoy thrillers and sci-fi hmm. oh. if you could put those two together <laughs> huh. I'm sold so um, you know at this point it's like Again, it's it's just hard to find those projects all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's like if you're going to do something like that and you're passionate about it, you really just have to start and create your own. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, yeah. Um, and who are some of your greatest influences or mentors in film-wise, that is? Yeah. Um, I mean, in regards to mentors, I I wish there was more mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. access to yeah. mentors. Like, we did definitely have a lot of great professors in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, uh, unless you, like, really develop those relationships, it's hard yeah. to get in touch with them. Right. Um, in terms of films, I mean, you know, there's all the like greats. Like you definitely have to look back at those. You know, like Kubrick, Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Like now there's like Bowen Brothers. You know, mm-hmm. I look a lot at Korean cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, Bong Joon Ho, and like you know, so it's it's really like when you look at the world of of, of cinema, at least for inspiration, mm-hmm. it's like wide open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's just, it, there's like a whole other world. You know, I think it was Bong Joon-ho that was like, if you can get past the the, the two-inch thing of subtitles, you, you're you opened up to a, another world of cinema, you right. know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, it's becoming much more global. I mean, look at Parasite, right? Right. Um, I also see that you've worked on a number of crowdfunding campaigns for different student film projects that were set in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting and great to see that you're such a strong supporter, I guess, of your fellow like Taiwanese filmmakers and their stories. Like, um, is that something that you've like uh, personally, like specifically, sought to support, or is it just again? Um, a result of like people that you're connected to and the opportunities that come to you. Yeah, I mean, I hate to burst your bubble, but <laughs> it is about it is about like you know people that are around you and from um, the NYU program in in Singapore, there were a lot of Taiwanese Americans actually. Okay. So they were they were all we were all there like trying to make the best of you know oh let's we're on this side of the world yeah and we're like oh taiwan's right there and that's where all our family is you know mm-hmm. or, or aunts and uncles and stuff mm-hmm. so we all kind of went there and we were you know making our little films and trying to like get funding for it and that experience definitely was was eye-opening to me like just going back to asia in general and mm-hmm. like getting back in touch my with my roots mm-hmm. it it made me more aware of my Americanness oh. and my Asian Americanness. Sure. And so, you know that that whole experience definitely opened my eyes to like, oh, because there was a time where I would actually be hesitant to be all about Asian American films, uh-huh. you know, or, or or being a part of them because I don't know. There's something about growing up in New York that, at least for me, made me maybe push that away a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't like the gung ho Asian American. Um, so going there and seeing that, oh, I'm actually like super American. I'm I'm less Chinese than I'm American. I think that helped with like me figuring out who I am. That's very interesting. Yeah, because this term Asian American, in a lot of ways, I mean. You could say it's kind of artificial because it's just a geographic term to say all these people from Asia and they're all in the same group. Like, and it's so diverse. Like, what Asian? Like, what is Asian American, right? So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can certainly see why 
you know, maybe you didn't identify that strongly, like that wasn't a strong part of your identity, being an Asian American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, what are some of your favorite films about Taiwan? Um, about Taiwan? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have I mean, some? I def- uh, I mean, I definitely have films that um, may, like when when I think of Taiwan, I think of the first films I watched about Taiwan, uh-huh. which was like uh, Tai Mingliang. Oh, um, and he did a lot of. I mean, he's he's technically Malaysian actually, oh. <laughs> but he made a lot of films in Taiwan. Um, I don't know if you know some of them, Stray Dogs, uh-huh. and um, What Time Is It There, and Hole. Okay. And um, they're 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 very. I, I would say they're on the artsy end, though. Hmm. Okay. Definitely on the artsy side. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think I've heard of some of his films, but I'm not. Sometimes when it comes to Asian or Chinese names, it's harder for me to remember the names. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what about films about Taiwan, like ones that are a little bit more accessible or mainstream? Like, are there any that you? Um, particularly enjoy or would recommend to someone who doesn't know much about Taiwan? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely watch, you know, stuff by, I mean, just Ang Lee's <laughs> featuring that woman mm-hmm. um, or uh, Edward Yang's E.E. Right. Like, those are some of the things that, to me, just just touch on that, that you know, Taiwan's past and and this nostalgia mm-hmm. that I think I think because I, I, there was a time where I went back to Taiwan as a kid, maybe uh-huh. like six years old, and oh. and I do remember all those smells and and street you know <laughs> street stalls and stuff like that. It wasn't it wasn't as crazy as it is now, you know. It was definitely uh-huh. yeah. And um, what inspires you? Um, what, <laughs> I know that's uh, a huge question, but yeah, that's yeah I question. mean, like in terms of like, I mean, I guess maybe something that you do is like you're writing or is, do you find that there are certain things that inspire your cre- creativity like that um, make you want to write something down or to think about um, making a film about this particular topic? Are there, are there any things like that, like themes that inspire you? Um, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, um, I mean, films are definitely sorts of, of inspiration mm-hmm. and books. And I mean, I mean, I feel like the question should be, where don't you find inspiration? Okay. <laughs> For me, it's like, it's such a wide open world that, yeah. um, like everything can be inspiration, like going, yeah. going to museums, stuff like that. I feel like, yeah. I don't know if you, if, if you don't feel that inspiration from like, even, you know, now like these crazy times yeah you just look around like it's so much going on uh so much to be inspired by i feel like yeah if you're not inspired by something it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty sad it's pretty sad i like that okay let's turn the question around (laughs) (laughs) um which of your works are you most proud of that you think represent you and your style of filmmaking um, I, I feel like I'm still so in the beginning of my filmmaking yeah. career that I, I don't think anything okay. should or does define me in, in a way. But, okay. you know, the things that I, I'm proud of is, you know, like, uh, I think I sent you a link about, about uh, a father's son, this short yes. film. 
Yeah, and actually, uh, I know Henry Chang. I'm going to have to. I have. I haven't had a chance to reach out to him to tell him that I am interviewing you. Yeah, no, I mean, he is like my godfather now because he he's like growing up. You don't really get those um, role models or mentors. Role or... models, right? Like, yeah, I would, yeah. I, I I can't say that he's a mentor because he's never he's yeah. never brought his wing. But right. just looking at him and his career and like. Just, uh-huh. you know, you, you're thinking, oh, I don't have opportunities now. Like, what about this guy? When he, You know, he was struggling. If he was struggling with his family back then and he was able to write all these novels is is really an inspiration. Yeah. And um, just being able to, you know, be on a set where his work was adapted to make this short film mm-hmm. was just like, like such an awesome experience. And yeah, I look up to that guy. Amazing. <laughs> so, can where yeah. where can we see the film, or when can we see it? Um, so the film right now is it's kind of it's not finished yet. Okay. Um, and you know, I think there'll be a trailer coming out soon, but uh, that has yet to be determined. Cause, sure. Just because this is such a weird time. Yeah. And trying to figure out. Yeah, like, the timing. When to roll out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To 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 either roll out the trailer or to send it to festivals. It's, it's just like a very odd time for that. Yeah. So they're still trying to figure that yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. What do you love the most about filmmaking? Uh, filmmaking is definitely to me about collaboration and like smashing all these brains together and trying to figure <laughs> out how to, yeah, how to like create something that's interesting and watchable. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And how do you balance the work that you do? Because I see that you've done, you've definitely done some things that are commercial, and I, I imagine that's just a necessity. And then the more creative things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think yeah, it's really just about because um, there's no there's no structure, right? So you kind of yeah. just keep trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know about that because yeah. like, your podcast, you're like yeah. going out those connections. Yeah, and to me, yeah, for me, um, you know, when I came back, I had the NYU network that was here too. That was pretty helpful. And I also joined this group called um, Film Shop. I don't know if you've heard of Film no, Shop. No. So basically, I, I compare it to like AA for filmmakers. Uh-huh. Basically, you go to this group and it's about like eight to 10 people. And there are, certain, there are chapters all over the city. And you kind of get together and you like, um, talk about your projects and when you're going to complete them, and um, they kind of keep you on track for oh, that. Oh, great! Yeah. yeah, nice to have that community. So, yeah, it's it, it really is about finding that community and and people to push you and to help you like create create right. your things. Yeah, and it is such an odd time, the times that we're in now. Um, I wonder how has the pandemic affected you? Um, definitely, there is not as much work as there was yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but again, it's about, for me, it's about constantly learning. I mentioned like, you know, the cinematographers, they're, they're finding ways to go online and share their wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there are so many resources out there to keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and also during this time, also writing. So that, that's another big thing for me. Yeah. So are you working on anything now? Uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of projects that um, I'm working on. Uh, one one is about 
Asian American fraternity life. I don't know if you know about these guys. <laughs> In general, but, I mean, yeah, I know there there are Asian American fraternities. There's a network yeah. of them, sure. Yeah. So when so I went to Carnegie Mellon. Okay. And there was actually um, we founded one of the Asian American oh, fraternities. Okay. At Carnegie Mellon, and it's it's just a very interesting um, side of of what Asian Americans need in their lives and mm-hmm. what they want and mm-hmm. how they how they belong and I think there's for me there's a there's a story of like um, finding out about who you are through through this story hmm. you know I don't know if I'm saying it <laughs> no right no way. no I can imagine it's interesting I went to University of Illinois and they have one of the largest okay. Greek systems but I didn't go I didn't rush um, I grew up in Canada yeah. so that was very foreign to me but I yeah. do know on a super superficial level like a little bit about like the whole Greek system but yeah I don't think anyone's done anything like that on like the Asian American um fraternities that's interesting yeah i mean it would definitely be a way for like me to unpack a lot of things uh-huh uh <laughs> because there's there's like just so much going on there uh but yeah i feel like that that world is kind of like you know it's like fraternities is like a white thing but it's also a black thing and you know there are definitely a lot of fraternity guys that you know masqueraded as like that they, they want to be like hip-hop and black and it's just a it's just a very Huh. like interesting world that that us Asian Americans got dumped into <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um, and um, I don't know if you're if you've uh, you're at that point in your career yet or if you have any thoughts of like what would be a dream project or a real passion project that you could work on if you had like you know no limitations of funding or time or whatever like is there something that you have in your mind that you would like to work on um yeah i think uh it would it, again it would be some kind of sci-fi thriller mm-hmm. <laughs> which which you know i'm currently working on okay uh, but you know there's also this this idea of of not waiting around i think yeah. i don't know if you know ava duvernay yes absolutely um, they're 13th yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been like doing she, a lot of great documentaries lately. Yeah, and and also narrative features and also big budget, you know, movies. Mm-hmm. And so she, she, you know, she came from the world and she was in a similar place. I feel where it's like, okay, you can't, the cavalry is not coming. Like you can't wait for anyone to do anything yeah. for you, you know. And now, um, you know, during the pan the the pandemic, um, you know, for me, I'm starting to learn about virtual production mm-hmm. so it's basically what they did on on the mandalorian hmm. the disney plus show hmm. where they have like giant screens and now they're you know pushing video onto those screens and you're hmm. shooting it live wow. uh like live you know actors on those backdrops oh. where it used to be like green screen or uh-huh. something like that uh-huh. so there's i mean there's always things to be learning about you know and for for me to be learning about that it's like okay if if nobody comes there's no budget like is there a way to do this on our own you know yeah 
because yeah, it's 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 always a challenge, like where to find money. Right, right. Well, yeah, but we never know because like as technology develops and becomes more accessible and more um, attainable, because hopefully it becomes more affordable, that this could change. Yeah. Yeah. What words of advice do you have for others who are interested or thinking about becoming a filmmaker? Um, I, I think, it, you know, if I could provide my, my advice from the little experience I've had, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, it would just be like, it, are you doing it? Like, just ask yourself that question, you know, are, are you doing the thing that you want to do? And if you're, you know, you just have to find time or, um, you know, learn about whatever you want to do. You know, it's, it's every little step I feel is like a step in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like every little project you can do, or if you want to do filming, like it doesn't matter what it is. Um, and again, like people from, you know, that film shop group, people that I met, I mean, they're just, they they, they don't have resources, you know, they just like, you're just like, they're just doing it. And then they don't have to ask that question anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like to get started, they just, they just got started. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure it can be a challenge. Like this is a reality, especially with the pandemic and can be a challenge. Um, so what I'm and I'm sure sometimes that happens. Like what happens when you have those days when you feel like it's a challenge or, Mm. Um, I need to find uh, some project or things to do. And how do you push through that? Um, I, 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 I feel like I do that. I push through that by, um, just doing stuff that I care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just finding stuff that, that really interests me mm-hmm. because otherwise then it's like, oh my God, it, it just feels impossible sometimes Uh um but yeah i mean if you don't have those interests it's hard it's just hard to for anyone else to motivate you do you know what i mean yeah yeah thank you so much for all of your time um where can people and how can they learn about you and your work um i mean i have that website uh (laughs) jasonchu.com it's not really been updated but um that's that's the first place and I am planning on updating one of my Instagrams. I'm really terrible about that. <laughs> I should really get on that. Uh, are you are you active on any other social media platforms? Can people find you on others? Um, I, yeah, it's it's really just on Chew Chomp. Uh, okay. On Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But again, I don't update that at all. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, there's going to be another one coming up, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I've been speaking with filmmaker Jason Chu. To learn more about him, visit his website, jasonchu.com. And for any links to items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, talkingtaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.